us to Calvary did go, his love for mankind to show, what he did there brought hope from despair, oh how he loves you, oh how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. That's a simple little song, isn't it? A powerful message, amen? Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, we're back here in our series. We're dealing with this idea of the need to live by principle. I thought maybe I would share something that I learned, uh, heard about. Um, there was a church that had a bell that nobody could ring. One day a boy came and he asked the priest, he said, if he could try to ring the bell. And uh, so he went up into the tower and he ran straight into the bell face first. The bell tolled loud and clear. And the priest said, you know what, you got the job, man. You got the job. So one day the boy ran, uh, he, he ran straight toward the bell with his face and he missed. And so he fell off the tower and he died. Approached the congregation and he said, does anybody know this boy's name? I don't know him, but his face rings a bell. Okay. All right, you didn't have to like it. I just thought it was kind of funny. But anyway, maybe you don't think it's funny. But anyway, all right. I felt like we needed something here to get us encouraged and uplifted. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. <laughs> his face rings a bell. All right. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 
And fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among us as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, and no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. But no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Paul, as we've noted over and over again, as we've been dealing with this particular uh, series, we've talked about the fact that their relationship was very unique with the Lord, very unusual. They were the children of God, and he reminds them of that offering, that sacrifice that Christ made on their behalf. And as a result, he says, you're to follow God and forsake sin. Matter of fact, there's some things he says that should not even be named among us, And again, the reason he gives is because Christ himself offered himself as a sacrifice to God on our behalf. So we said how it seems we've seen an erosion of integrity and character over the years. And it seems as though there are so many voices proclaiming another truth today. Therefore, integrity must be a mission. And we said that we need to be proactive and we need to pursue and remain steadfast in our resolve. We need to maintain our integrity at all costs. And we noted that uh, principle is important. We said that ethics are urgent. Integrity is essential. And so we began sharing by suggesting, uh, sharing some suggestions, I should say, for making integrity important and a very, uh, very important in our life and a part of our daily life. And we said, first of all, if we're going to do that, we need to put Jesus first. We need to give attention to the Bible. We need to follow leaders who follow the Lord. Stop trying to impress everybody. Adopt biblical standards as normal behavior. Stop unacceptable practices. And finally, we said, don't get lazy or be lazy. Now, again, we said that these practices will help to develop character and integrity that will provide a foundation that's needed in order to live our lives by principle. So what we know is that principle is paramount. Principle is so important and invaluable in the life of the believer. Take your Bible now, turn over to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14, would you? Isaiah 59, 14. We're looking at just this one verse, and then we're going to go ahead and kind of kick off this side of our series. We're kind of done with those elements we're talking about, you know, as far as laying a foundation. Now we want to talk about and address specifically this element of principle, dealing with principle, living by principle. It is paramount. Isaiah 59, 14. All right, as we're all arriving there, let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Father, we need you tonight, and we just pray that you'll take these next few minutes and that you'll drive home truth that will, Father, ultimately impact our lives in a very positive way. I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost, and Lord, may you just help my heart, my body, my mind to be focused on you and uh, be an instrument in your hand. I pray, Father, that you would be with these that are here listening as well as those possibly on live stream. We pray, Lord, that you would just uh, uh, speak to hearts and work in lives. Lord, may you drive home that truth, and may we hear with spiritual ears. Now, Father, uh, I have nothing to give this thy people except you give it to me first. And so I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Ghost and allow me, Father, just to speak with a unction and a power from on high. I need you now. 
I don't ask for power that I can experience it. I ask for power that it goes forth and does its work in the lives of others, including my own. We desperately need you now. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Isaiah 59, 14. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. See, by the time Isaiah arrives on the scene, the culture and the courts stunk of corruption. There were, these were God's people, no doubt about that. I mean, we know that the children of Israel and the, 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 the children of Judah and all of them were always God's children in that regard, but they had abandoned him. They had violated scripture. They had discarded integrity. They had been influenced by partiality. They were moved by bribes. They had condemned the innocent. They had acquitted the guilty. If there was anyone who still held to some godly principles, they were probably so few in number at this point that their voice could hardly be heard, if even heard at all. Justice, the Bible says, standeth afar off. Why or how is that possible? How is it that justice standeth afar off? Well, it says, because truth is fallen in the streets. Truth is fallen in the street. Now, I like a good Western. I've told you that a number of times. And like anybody who enjoys Westerns, I like a good old gunfight right on Main Street, a good showdown, you know? Two cowboys meander out into the street. They face off one and two and toward another. And they, you can uh, uh, hear those famous, famous last words, right? Draw. And all of a sudden, man, they pull those guns out and they're ablazing until one of them falls in the street. One of them falls dead in the streets. According to this passage, truth has fallen in the street. A battle must be waged for truth or has been waged for truth. And in this particular case, it appears truth lost the battle. There are always those who will reject, will reject truth. So we got to be on guard, obviously, and we need to be willing to fight and protect and promote it. Truth is something that is not safe in and of itself. We stand for truth. We must fight for truth. In Isaiah's day, truth had fallen. Sin and corruption had truly taken root in mankind. Isaiah 59, 14 again says, And judgment is turned away backward. Justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Notice what cannot enter? As a result of truth being fallen in the street, it's equity. Now I want to give you the definition of equity according to Webster's 1829 Dictionary. Webster was good at giving us dictionary, uh, giving us, uh, should I say, um, uh, definitions that were biblically based. And he said equity. He said justice, right. In practice, equity is the impartial distribution of justice or the doing that to another which the law of God and man and of reason give him a right to claim. 
It is the treating of a person according to justice and reason. Now, I want you to know that that word has been redefined in our day. Here's what it says today. Here's what it means. The term equity refers to fairness and justice, so far fairly good, and is distinguished from equality. Hmm. Whereas equality means providing the same to all, equity means recognizing that we do not all start from the same place and must acknowledge and make adjustments to imbalances. Now, we have changed the definition of equity. But sticking with the biblical definition, the passage is pointing out that due to truth being fallen, these judges cannot judge impartially. The judges in that day were not judging impartially. They, are, they had been easily moved by bribes and other outside influences. Equal justice was nowhere to be found. They're excusing the guilty. They're condemning the innocent. Their eyes are blinded to the truth so that they can't judge fairly. Sadly, truth has been forsaken in our generation also. For the most part, the Bible has been disregarded. Or should I say, it's even been rejected, let's be honest. Thy word is truth. That's what the word of God teaches us. Thy word, this book, the word of God is truth, the Bible says. The picture is that of the word of God fallen in the streets. And those passing by simply walk over it or possibly even on it. Truth has fallen in the street. The word of God has been disregarded. The word of God is, is, is of no real value. There it lay, cast on the ground, fallen in the street. That's a pretty sad picture, isn't it? And as a result of truth being fallen in the street in this generation in which we live, a life of biblical principle has been replaced with compromise and corruption. Our day-to-day -day outlook and our day-to-day -day actions are dependent upon the external rather than the internal. These forces that we are uh, uh, experiencing, we're allowing those outside forces to change how we see things and what we do and how we feel instead of allowing those internal forces, the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God working in our hearts and lives to make that difference. See, right and wrong are no longer defined by absolute truth, but instead relevancy and experience define what truth is. Biblical principle no longer uh, governs most believers. And if principle is a factor, then its roots are found in secular humanism, or we could put it more simply by saying worldly thinking. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, but put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter we got to elevate the Word of God. We cannot allow ourselves to fall prey to the external forces that exist in the world in which we live. We need to elevate the Word of God. We need to place it on a pedestal. We need to truly lift it up in the culture and the society in which we live, but not just the culture, not just the society, but in our own personal lives. Unfortunately, in many cases... <laughs> It's those streets just, are just outside the church, just around the churches 
where we see truth has fallen today and is being trodden underfoot. My question is, will you allow truth to fall in the streets of your life? Oh yeah, it's easy to talk about our culture and our society and how wicked and, uh, and, and evil and sinful it is. We get all that. and Boy, that's a, they're an easy target, right? They're not even saved, let's be honest. Uh, why wouldn't they be in that particular situation? That's their nature, the Adamic nature. But we have the divine nature for us to live in a state like that is totally contrary to what God intended. Yet we cast stones at the world and somehow we feel better about ourselves. But the fact is, is that God wants us to elevate truth in our life. God doesn't want us to cast it into the street. So will truth win out or will you give in to corruption? The principles of God's word are priceless. We should allow them to guide us every step of the way. So let me give you some things you need to remember. Just some things to remember. And that's what we'll be sharing over the next few weeks. Number one, something to remember here. Principle is more important than popularity. Principle is more important than popularity. Henry Clay, a senator from Kentucky in the early to mid-1800s, he often said this statement. He said, I'd rather be right than president. Well, they let him be right. (laughs) And as you probably know, he never did get to become president. He knew and he lived by this ideal. Principle was more valuable to him than popularity. And it ought to be more important to you and I. Let's be honest. We can go to schools across America and we can watch young people do things we never thought they would ever do, go contrary to the teaching of their parents and their churches and their leadership and do things in order to somehow garner popularity. I want to fit in. I want to be popular. I want people to like me. Principle is more important than popularity. At work, it's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, how many have compromised their principles in order to find acceptance in the midst of their colleagues? Maybe their friends, their co-workers, or as we said already, fellow students. Early in his presidency... Abraham Lincoln, he set aside morning office hours so that he could receive visitors. A number of those visitors, of course, were seeking favors, and some were just attempting to somehow gain some kind of influence by getting to know the president, or maybe they just wished they could possibly shake the president's hand. I mean, he was the nation's leader. So these visits, they they kind of offered the president the opportunity to get to, 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 to understand some of the ideas and, and uh, the feelings of ordinary people. And, and he, got the, he could kind of figure out how they felt about him and his policies and some of the things that he was doing. Even, you know, when you talk about his administration, were this, was it a positive vibe, negative vibe? And he utilized those mornings to kind of get to know people, hear what they had to say, and gauge those things. Yet Lincoln, aware as he was of public sentiment, they say he never allowed it to ultimately alter his principles or his policies. 
doesn't sound good. <laughs> wow. If that was an adult right now, we'd be called 911. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry, that's just something. But anyway, <laughs> somebody's going to say, I'm leaving the church because you just made fun of somebody. Okay, well, that's all right. His face rang a bell. But anyway, <laughs> yet, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, you know, this is so heavy, I got to do something to break it up, right? Yet Lincoln, aware that he was of public sentiment, never allowed, it, uh, never allowed that to ultimately alter his policies or his principles. Which is one of the reasons why Lincoln became one of the greatest presidents and a very great man. And let me give you, the, for instance, some critics blasted his 270-word Gettysburg Address. They said it was too short. But Lincoln stood by the speech nonetheless. And as you well know, I hope you know, it became one of the greatest political speeches of all time. Principle is more important than popularity. There was a man, he lived in a forest, and he found his home overrun with, uh, with mice. And uh, there were just too many of these mice to exterminate. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. Traps just weren't going to get the job done. And so he bought a few boxes of decon, which is basically poison, and he distributed them throughout his house, and he included one. He put one under his bed, even. Well, that night, he, he couldn't help but hear these mice just feeding. I mean, just like a feeding frenzy under his bed. They were going to town. I mean, in the morning, he checked the box, and he found it was licked clean. I mean, they didn't leave nothing. So to make sure that the plan worked, he bought another box and he placed it under his bed just for good measure. Again, the mice went after that flavored poison like piranhas, man. They were all over it. But that tasty and popular, mind you, nighttime snag did its deadly work. In the days that followed, all was quiet. Just because something's popular doesn't mean it's good for you. It can be deadly like sin is. Well, we got to be careful today. We got to be so careful. We are watching many ungodly practices and policies being popularized by our media and culture today. We're watching it right in the front of our very eyes. Just 20 years ago, these particular uh, practices and these policies would have been shot down. They'd have been considered not only foolish, but appalling. And today, the court of public opinion seems to hold more weight than the precious and perfect word of God does. Hey, never forget, principle is more important than popularity. Number two, principle is more important than personality. Principle is more important than personality. You know, principles forever. Personalities fluctuate. They change. Your loyalty should be first to principle, then to personality. Being right with God always relates to principle. Did you hear that? 
And it is so true. Being right with God always relates to principle, but rarely to personality. So if a particular pastor would change his stand on the King James Bible, Christ-honoring music, or biblical separation, then I want you to know that I could no longer endorse or support his position in ministry. You say, why? Because my loyalty is to the principle and not the person or personality. That's why. Oh, I'd still be a friend to that fella, that preacher, if you would. I'd be there to encourage him to do right, but my loyalty is to principle. I sat with another pastor. I told you a while ago I was on a panel and they asked questions. Well, one of the pastors was a, a, a preacher at a much larger church even than ours. And he was talking about how he had some really, really close friends who changed their direction. He even named one of them. Oh, and we would know that person. They preached for us in the past. But let me tell you something. He said, it affected our relationship. And he said, and if I called him right now, he'd say, you know what? You're right. And I'm not ashamed for you to say it because I know I went a different direction and you stayed where you are. And he said he would not be upset that I used the name because he takes responsibility for where he is. But he said it's affected our relationship. Why? Because he is loyal to principle, not personalities. It's gone to. He said, if he'd call me today and say, man, I messed up. I wish I could get back where I need to be. He said, I'd be right there to help him. God understands how susceptible we are to the influences of others and the power of personality. And that's why he issues a very clear warning in the book of Proverbs. He says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Those we surround ourselves with ultimately determine who and what we are and what we become. And that's why it's been said, show me who your teenager hangs around today and I'll show you who they will be in a year from now. Very few people can resist the temptation to conform to those around them. Very few, if anybody, really. To some degree, we all conform if we're around somebody enough. We are admonished in Scripture to turn away from those who choose to turn away from God and biblical principle. Turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, we're going to begin reading verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, when Paul the Apostle is writing to Timothy, he is writing from the perspective of it being the last days. If someone says, well, that's been 2,000 years ago. Well, a a day is as 1,000 years to the Lord, so it hasn't been that long. He's been waiting and hoping for the return of Christ. They were looking for him then. We should be looking for him now. 
And may I say those last days uh, for us, as we draw, as we live our lives longer, we know that we see evidence of those last days. It seems like more than ever, even if you're just 60, 70, 80 years old, you know that you're seeing more of this than ever. That's what it says. It says, perilous times shall come, verse 2, for perilous times, mind you, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. What's going to cause these perilous times? The last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. What? From what? He says, from such turn away. Boy, may I just say this, may we be wise enough to heed the warnings of the Word of God. I don't think this needs a rocket scientist to explain it to us. May we be wise enough to heed the warning of the Word of God. Principle is more important than personality. How many times have we allowed a personality to shape our outlook rather than principle? People at work will say, well, I got caught up. They were all joking around, and I don't know, I just kind of got caught up in it. You know what they were really saying? Is that there was a personality, and I had a tendency to be drawn to that personality, and I found myself indulging in what they were talking about and doing because that personality captivated me. The Bible teaches us principle is more important than personality. Live by principle. God help us not to be swayed or to turn aside after popularity and personality ahead of principle. Principle is paramount. And it has to be preeminent in our lives. We have to make a conscious decision to say that principle will be how I live. I will live by biblical principle. Now again, be careful because the world has principles, but they're not rooted in truth or the Word of God many times. And if they are rooted in a truth, it's because they have plagiarized and borrowed from the Word of God. And even they recognize the benefit of God's Word at times. You reap what you sow, the Bible says. Can I tell you, that works for the lost and the saved. It works for both. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy that principle. So they may borrow from the Word of God, but in most cases, their principles are rooted in humanism, secularism. Principle has got to take a place of priority in our lives if we hope to escape the corruption that fills that void when truth falls in the street. Man, I'll tell you, the truth is being cast down today and being trodden over. I mean, people are stomping on the Word of God today. What's going to keep you and me from doing the same thing ultimately? I'm telling you, if you're not consciously trying to elevate truth 
and principle in your life. Sooner or later, you are going to trample on truth as well because you're just not paying enough attention to notice what you're walking on. And you'll say, but I'm right with God. You're right with God, but you're trampling on the Word of God? What what principle do you base your life on? What principles govern your outlook? What principles govern your behavior? I mean, why in the world are you here tonight? Hopefully it's because there is a principle that you've established in your life, that you will not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Can I tell you, there'll be all kinds of people that will bide for your time and your attention, that will seek to get you to cast truth into the streets. I'd never walk on truth. I'd never trample on it. I think we do it more often than we'd like to admit we got to make a conscious effort to elevate it, to put it on a pedestal. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot answer. Will you fight to keep principal priority in your life? It's a battle. Young people, it's a real battle. It's easy maybe sometimes when you're all with your friends right now or you're here in the church or in this youth group, but let me tell you something. You get out there and maybe you get around the wrong people for a short time. Next thing you know, they're asking you to do things or encouraging you to be a part of things that you know aren't right. Will you let principle govern your decision or will you simply just let exterior forces affect it? The internal ones are the ones you need to listen to. Holy Spirit of God, the teachings of the Word of God that have been implanted in your life and rooted deep in your heart by your parents and your family and your preacher and your youth leaders and your, uh, in the leadership of your churches. Hey, listen, don't let those exterior forces fool you into believing somehow you're missing out on something. Will you elevate truth, ensuring it never falls in the street of your life? See, the principles of God's Word are priceless. And we should always allow them to guide us every step of the way. Principle. The need to live by principle. May God help us to do that, even tonight. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you mean to us, all you do for us. We're just a a needy people. And Lord, the truth is, is that in this world in which we live, so many are casting truth aside. And Lord, it, it even is happening even in the midst of our churches across the country. And it just seems that the Word of God is losing its, its place of preeminence. That your truths, your principles, your commandments and statutes don't hold the weight that they used to, so to speak. That if they were placed on a scale, well, they may not really outweigh a secular viewpoint much more than the Word of God. They're kind of in equal terms right now, it seems, even in believers' lives. Help us, Lord, not to be governed by those exterior forces, but, Lord, to allow those in, internal forces to rule and reign, and that includes you, your Word, and those, that upbringing we have in the truth of the Word of God. Father, we need you now. We ask, Father, that you'd bless us as a people. May we ever lift up the truth and may we live our lives by principle, not allowing personality. Father, not allowing 
anything, anyone to cause us to slip, to slide. God, we need you. We need you desperately. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed.